right, welcome back into another edition of the Damn Podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080 Fan, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com. Feels good to be back for another week, and we are exactly, because we're recording this on a Thursday, exactly seven days away from college football beginning. I am so excited. It's, I, I, I think probably say that every lead-in, but I was looking at my calendar, and I was like, next Thursday is Utah, Michigan. And, <laughs> oh, that is pizza delivery and uh, hanging on the couch watching You marked football. it on the calendar. It is marked on the calendar. No cooking dinner that no night. No cooking dinner in Casa Machado. We are having oh. pizza and beer. Oh, I can't wait. It, it does feel like, it's funny that you say that because it does feel like we do at that every week where we were like, oh, it's only two weeks away or yeah. it's three weeks away. It kind of does leave you like a kid with your birthday or Christmas coming up. Hey, seven days away. It's just, it's weird that it's the one sport that kind of gets you to do that. And, and usually, you know, that first game, that Thursday night of the first week, I'm kind of, yeah, you know, it's usually some. There's kinda, usually some stinkers, yeah, South some, Carolina yeah. and some one double A school. Care about, but Oregon yeah. State has both these teams on the, on the agenda. And so I, I'm stoked about this game. And then for Beaver fans out there on Saturday, the 29th, so just two days away, um, Bishop Gorman, powerhouse out of Las Vegas, is taking on Chandler out of Arizona, which Oregon State quarterback commit Mason Moran will be the quarterback. There you go. Game. ESPN is broadcasting that game. So, Are they really? Yes. So uh, that's what I'll be doing Saturday night is wow. uh, scouting Mason. Boy, that's going to be a fun little three days for you. Yeah. You get Utah, Michigan Thursday. Then you get Oregon State, oh, no, Weaver no, State the, Friday. The Beaver game is, or the Mason Moran game is this Saturday. Oh, this yes. Saturday. Oh, Saturday. in like yeah. three days. In three days. The 29th. Oh. Yes. That's even more exciting. Yeah. I'm going to check that out. I didn't know that out. was going to be on ESPN. Chandler is loaded with talent. There's a couple Aren't other they always? prospects. <laughs> I always but feel like Bishop, I see Chandler in the news. Bishop Gorman is... That's the school beyond, in Vegas. Yeah, yeah they got the hoops program and the football program. Yeah, private school that can recruit. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And then I we were talking about this on on my radio show of uh, like most excited game Thursday night. Like because you know that Thursday you're right. The Thursday game is usually like a, a clunker, not a good game. This year it's like you got TCU Minnesota. So if like from a national perspective, yeah. maybe you want to see TCU how they're going to be. And there's a handful of others. I forgot that Utah Michigan was Thursday. I thought it was Friday for some reason. Oh, we get a. Get to we get Harbaugh. That. We get Harbaugh versus right? Whittingham. Whittingham. I mean, seriously, can, does it get much better than that? It doesn't get any better than that. I mean, and seriously, I could see Utah pounding Michigan. It's it's gonna be. I don't know who's playing quarterback for Michigan. Lake. Yeah, that's gonna be a good one. If Michigan wins, which I think most people, you're, we're all rooting for Utah, right? I mean, you root for the conference. Oh, yeah, on that game. So if Michigan wins, though, you know what? It's it's gonna be interesting. Does Harbaugh slap Whittingham on the back? Like he did Jim Schwartz. He's probably not doing that with Whittingham, right? Probably not. Whittingham's kind of the guy you don't mess with. I wouldn't mess with him. Ah, feels good. Seven <laughs> days away. Seven days. Seven freaking days away. Uh, really appreciate all you guys that have been listening. Our numbers for listening have been amazing. Again, I feel like a broken record saying this. I think we finally figured out iTunes. We, did. we are working it, but we're waiting on iTunes. Yes. It's they iTunes. Get Twenty-four fault. hours or fourteen days to get back to you. Seriously, Brandon, if that was our job, if we just said. We'll have a podcast either tomorrow or two weeks from now. <laughs> I don't know if our listeners would be too happy. It'd be really funny if you tweeted out or, or you use Beaver Blitz and you tweeted out, practice report coming in 24 hours or 14, or 14 days. days. <laughs> Stay tuned. People wouldn't like that very much. No, no. It's funny how some people get away with that. Like uh, we were talking about the Pac-12 networks and like we love the Pac-12 network. They're fantastic. They're great talents. But it's funny that they go through the off season and it's kind of cool to get the, the classic oh, yeah. games. They're, they're fun. But you're mid-camp, and it's like half the day is just classic football games, which is fine, but it's also like, can we get an update on some of the teams? You know what I mean? Can we get some midday I mean, I stuff? I told Brandon, I said, one of these days, one of these years in July, I think I'm just going to 
go back and do instant classic, you know, commitment stories. We'll run Jacquiz Rogers commitment story and uh, Brandon Cook's commitment story. And well, what's funny about that is too is we're we're mocking the system doing that, but then you start thinking right, like that actually might be kind of cool, might be kind of fun. And then now we're kind of hypocritical for criticizing the Pac-12 network because we like the idea. I know. Brandon actually has been throwing (laughs) out good ideas, Blitz fans. (laughs) I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Um, A lot to get to today, Oregon State related. We're also going to talk a little bit of uh, Sark after dark. Sark after dark. Apparently, uh, there's a coach that coaches the Trojans that really enjoys his off time and uh, having fun with boosters and players of his team, I guess you should say. With the AD involved, and then and then what about uh, Pac, going back to Pac-12 networks? How about the uh, the police uh, activity down there when Chris mm. Conway is trying to go watch a little sneak a peek of Oregon practice, and they called like two or three police officers showed up at practice. I might have to be the bad guy on this, and that's fine because you know some people think I'm too negative if I talk Oregon State, and I get that. I might have me and Angie might have to go against each other on that topic okay. Okay. on the the police Pac-12 thing. Because I don't necessarily believe everything I'm going to say, but I am going to kind of defend that school down south. Okay. A little bit. Okay. Not too much. Because this is the damn podcast, and I wouldn't do that too much. Too much. So, they scrimmaged last week in Oregon State. They did. Uh, I didn't get to make it, unfortunately. I had work and family kind of just going everywhere. Uh, it was family day. That's why you take your family with you. I know, but my daughter's three. She's not into the football thing yet. Oh, they just run up and down the bleachers. You the, give them a lot of goldfish, they're good. The wife... She'll watch football. She lets me watch it. She's not a huge football fan. So I didn't get to make it. You did. I did. What did you see? Well, we saw a lot better performance, I think, offensively than what you saw the week prior. Um, They've made progress. And defensively, you know, my husband and I were both down there. He was was there family day watching... My kids, though, are older than, than three. but mm-hmm. um, And they're football fans. And Diehard football sort fans. Sort of. I mean, they like the players. <laughs> they think the players are cool. Um, and they like the snacks. You know, they like to bring the goldfish. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mom just says, sure, go eat. Do what you want. <laughs> but uh, defensively, I was really impressed with what I saw. Linebackers, I think, might be the weakest link of this whole defense. Uh, there's been some talk about D-line. I love the substitutions they're making mm-hmm. there. Um, Beaver fans, just don't be, don't sleep on this team. Not that they're going to win the conference and they're not Fiesta Bowl bound yet, but this team is going to be a lot more exciting to watch, I think, especially on defense and offensively too. I mean, we I saw some things at practice this week that you know made me kind of mm-hmm. do a double take. So there's variety both sides of the ball i mean you're gonna see defenders lined up it's really hard to actually even pencil out a depth chart because you have a guy that might start out you know joshua james plays d end then he might line back as a stand-up linebacker yeah it's it's really interesting to watch watch this well you, blitz is coming from all over the place yeah well that's the crazy thing about what sataki's doing with them is everybody pencils in it as like a a three four defense it's like well you talk to a couple of the assistant coaches and even people close to the program, you can't really identify it and define it by just saying that because of the way they move their some of their DNs to their linebackers or linebackers down to put pressure on the line. I'm curious, though, because linebackers was probably the area of most concern for me, mm-hmm. just personally. I remember we talked about that. And once they, they think, I think we brought that up because Daryl Sanji got dismissed from the team. What concerns you? Like When you say you think a linebacker is going to be the biggest weakness – what concerns you? Why does that stand out for you so much? I just didn't see them in and in on as many plays. Um, I think Bright Aguebu is going to be very good once he kind of gets his feet under him. Uh, he's a redshirt freshman. 
Kyle Haley. I mean, there's some guys, Manasseh, Hangalu, mm-hmm. um, Rommel, Manyao. Mm-hmm. There, there's some guys there that will make plays. But I, what I've seen more is the DBs making plays and then that D-line really disrupting things up front. Who, who liked the DBs? On this the, podcast. I liked the DB. Who liked the defensive line? Brandon. Ah, look at us. Yeah, look We're at penciling us. in what we like. Well, it's also kind of obvious for the defensive <laughs> line-wise, so I'm not going to pat myself on the back too much. Does that concern you, though? Like, when you say the linebackers to you are the weakest, because I did see a tweet from, like, a Jordan Villeman, oh, everybody's sleeping on my team, can't wait. And you, you talk to the kids in, that, in the practices, and I see all the reports from you guys do a fantastic job, other people do good jobs, too, of just the kids are pumped, they think their team is better than what people think. But when you're talking about a 3-4, how crucial are those linebacker positions, especially in this conference where if that line breaks and they get through, it's the next level. It's those guys that have to step up and make those plays. If they're the least productive so far, and just in your opinion, I mean, that's got to be kind of a concern, right? It definitely is a concern. But what I like is, and this is where this defense, and this is where you can't sleep on the coaches. Sataki, I mean, what he's already done. This isn't your gap cancellation, you know, Greg Newhouse, Mark Banker defense. Did you just drop a new house? I did drop a new wow, house. Wow, we haven't had a new house Last drop yet on the, the, on the podcast. <laughs> that was his baby, though, that gap cancellation defense. Yeah. Greg Newhouse's. But it's not, I don't think it's going to, going to be quite as imperative because in this, we'll see a lot of nickel as well. So you have some safeties that could be linebackers and they're all kind of playing in, in the same, same area. I, I'm not as concerned about uh, you know weakness there yet. Yeah. Well, I remember I was talking to uh, one of the SIDs that's covering it, and I go, "Hey, uh, have you guys given out a depth chart yet? Because you know, I don't go down there as often as, as you do." And they go, they laughed, and they go, "No, we haven't been given a depth chart. I might try to make one." And then that I think that's the tough part is think about the depth chart, and you said you can't really pencil people in yet. Which is interesting about this team, and it's also kind of an exciting factor of you know who the who the players are and what they're capable of, but you also don't know in what rotation they're going to be in, who's starting, who might get left out because you mentioned the defensive line. How deep is that? Like who's going to get yeah. left out of that group? They're not going to play. You know, all those defensive coaches I've taught, I've spoken with have talked so much about just the rotation. They want to rotate guys in and out. Kind of like what Sam Malo did. I mean, exactly. that's what you know, he was I mean, known D-line, for. I, I see them doing that. Coach Odom, you know, I spoke with him right before the camp started. And, he, you know, he talked about, I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily looking for the four starters. I want eight to ten starters. Yeah. Because they're going to be coming in and changing so mm-hmm. frequently. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, part of that is to keep def- or offenses on their toes, to not know what, what they're going to throw at them. And then seeing on Tuesday what some of the offense was doing, um, and I, I asked Coach Sataki, was, does that help the defense? And he said, of course. He goes, this may be the, the most difficult offense to prepare against because of all the things they do. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, just to see Weber State's not necessarily going to be the best challenge, I guess, to have a barometer of where they rank or where they stack up, but kind of getting a feel for maybe the aggression, <laughs> the speed, that aspect of it I'm kind of looking forward to, just to, not only for the defensive line and, and, like you just mentioned, the rotation, but I want to see like if there's a play, if a running back for Weber State breaks one, what are the linebackers capable of doing? Yeah, yeah. Because if that's an area of concern right now in camp, you got to assume, and, and look, it's too close to game day for me. I can't buy anything else. If your areas of concern are still right there right now, I got to assume going into the season, it's going to be there too until you can figure out what's wrong or how to make it better. Well, that's, you know, we've had such, such limited visibility of the team. 
because you know the, the changes in media availability. So whereas you know Coach Riley team, we had sat and watched hours and hours and hours. We have seen very little snapshots of this team. So I think all of us are looking for the Weber State just to see kind of what what they have mm-hmm. now offensively. They had everyone back. So Isaac Samalo played, looked good. Coach Anderson just kind of got a big grin on his face talking about talking about everything Isaac brings to the table. Yeah. You know, he can play so many positions. He opens up so much of that line. It was also really, really good to see Chris Brown. Yeah. I, Chris I, Brown was back. And I thought that was cool solid. that he played. Yeah. What did you what do you think of him? Do you think he's going to play in Friday on Friday yeah, next oh, Friday? Definitely. I you know no disrespect to Storm because I think Storm is a is a is a good running back, but I think. In my opinion, Chris Brown brings that extra level of speed yeah. that, that Storm doesn't have. A good balance of a something balance. that they need. Yeah, yeah. And absolutely. And Deltron Sands is a, is a freshman that you, he's he's shown some things. I, I asked Chris about him actually on Saturday, and you know he said the kid has picked things up so quickly. Yeah. So. Do you think there's any chance he gets the red shirt, or do you think he's going to play? I actually think he'll be. One I know of you. Players. I know you picked him. So, but like yeah, watching yeah, I, what you've I seen, I see him playing. I see Paul Lucas, wide receiver, playing. Which I can't wait to watch him play. Yeah, he, he's lightning. Yeah, I, I think actually I think Coach Baldwin called him lightning in a bottle. <laughs> so uh, you have him, and then you know defensively there's a few guys that are still in the bubble. Jay Irvine yep. could potentially play. Jalen Moore safety could potentially play. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some you know some guys there that we may actually see. Yeah, getting the fre- I think the freshmen that produce to the point where they don't redshirt this year. I think that should leave you pretty excited as a fan because this is a pretty young team. So if Very those, young. you know, I, I didn't realize how young it was until actually just like a week ago. It might going. be the youngest team in the conference. Yeah, they're at least experienced. I know least that. Experienced. Yeah. So if you if you're a freshman, you're a true freshman, and you don't you're not asked to redshirt. That's pretty impressive to me that you can come in there and you can say maybe that's the state of where the program is just because of youth. But still, if you have a handful of redshirt freshmen and sophomores everywhere and these true freshmen are coming in and earning that spot, I think it speaks to what they've been able to do in camp. That's a couple other. I always forget these guys as as true freshmen because they came in as gray shirts. Ricky Luchin, a linebacker, looked pretty solid. You get that spring training in, that spring practice. Yeah, Crawford, uh, a corner. So um, there are some guys there that... Like I said, I kind of forget that they're freshmen. Mm-hmm. They were 2014 signees, but uh, they, they've looked pretty good, too. So what did you think offensively aside from Chris Brown? How'd the offensive line look? Offensive line looked good, especially when you had you know Harlow and Isaac, the, the crew in. Gavin Andrews is out of his boot, so I saw him on That's Tuesday. That's good news. Boot. I, I don't know how soon he'll be playing. Yeah. Um, the wide receivers look good. They're a very solid group. I mean, when you look at the, you know, you have Villeman, Bolden, Har- Jarman, Jarman. Um, Rommel Dockery had a couple good plays. Dockery. Gilmore didn't play on, on Saturday. Why didn't um, he play? His grandma passed away. So he was down at a funeral. Oh, that's sad. Grandma. So, um, but he played Tuesday. He was with the running with the ones on yeah. Tuesday. Um, so he's making strides. He's transformed his body. I mean, he's big and strong. So what do you got there? You got five guys that we just five. named? Five. And then, you know, Paul Lucas. Sheesh. Yeah, that was, to me, that was... Um... For people that ask like offensive questions, and we have we have some some of the damn questions yeah. that we have from yeah. you guys, and we'll get to those. But like offensively, like looking at this team going into the whole thing, I always did kind of feel like if they have a junior quarterback or a sophomore that played significantly the year prior, 
I'd feel pretty good about where they'd be offensively just because of what they have in the skill positions. And I really like the offensive line. Yeah, exactly. We've both been talking about the offensive line line all camp. Talk about experience. Jeez, yeah. They've they've been through a lot. And you're anchored by a kid who, in some people's eyes, could be an All-American offensive lineman, a first-team All-American. Two years because of injury. It's unbelievable. So, looking at that depth, I mean, that's not really a shocker, but it's like it kind of scares you. Like, man, how are they going to figure that thing out? Are they going five wide at all? They they will. Washington State. Well, you might see it. (laughs) Um, So pretty impressed with the scrimmage, huh? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. I didn't walk away saying, "Oh my gosh, this team's you know going." Fiestable, but it, it gave me hope because they had improved so much from the week before. It leaves you more optimistic. It leaves me more optimistic. Yeah, yes. yeah. And like you know, the biggest thing Beaver fan is, you know, going into this season after Civil War last year, I, I really didn't know if they'd win more than two games if the old regime stayed. Mm-hmm. So now you have there's some you know hope, and like I said, it'll be there. There will be excitement on offense, excitement on defense, things that you haven't seen. So it's different. Yeah. Win or lose, it'll be exciting. Just to give you guys a heads up, next week, uh, we're still going to release it on Thursday, and we'll tweet it out as much as we can Friday before kickoff, before the season starts. We're going to do this podcast as well. Um, we're going to go do We're gonna do predictions once again. We did it kind of at the beginning of camp. Um, did I change my mind of how many wins I think they get? Maybe I did. You got four, I think. I think I did three. Three or three? I was at I six. I think I did three. Yeah, I think you did six, and I did three. So maybe I changed my mind, and I think this team is a little better than three wins, or maybe I'm sticking with three. Me and Angie are going to break it down, and we're also talking a little bit of the conference, too. So I just wanted to give you guys a heads up for next week. Going to be really exciting stuff because we got kickoff 24 hours after the, the damn podcast is put up, and then uh, we'll kind of preview the Beaver season and talk a little conference preview. Could be fun. It'll be fun. I like those conversations. I do, too. Uh, let's get to some damn questions. Damn questions. Okay. Now, are there any damn questions? Actually, we got a few from Beaver Blitz. I am going to jump in with this one first. MK Beave on Beaver Blitz actually had a couple really good ones. Um, the first one, who on staff is considered good recruiter? And I'll probably take that You'll one. You'll have to take this one, beaverblitz.com goddess, because <laughs> I'll admit I'm not up on recruiting like Angie. This staff is exciting on recruiting. So um, I don't know. I mean, the, the last staff, there were really kind of a couple guys that would always kind of stand out as, as good recruiters. This staff, I mean, you go down the list. I, I actually didn't know much about Baldwin. I didn't know how good of a recruiter Coach Baldwin would be. He has kind of that Central Valley now of, of California and the JUCOs. And you talk to these kids, and they talk about his just his vibe. They love his energy and his vibe. So he's been mentioned a lot. Uh, Coach Odom has been me- mentioned quite a bit. He has kind of North Central Florida, and then he has Texas. Mm-hmm. He's been mentioned a lot. And, uh, you know, I've talked with him about kind of his philosophy, and he's really looking for a kid that's a leader at school. Um, it's nice to people. You know, he'll talk to a cafeteria worker or a, a custodian to find out, make sure they're respectful. But he mm-hmm. wants that kind of alpha male guy. Telly Lockett, Miami Central's old head coach. I mean, the guy knows Dade County. Yeah. The, I mean, and which you want that talent. He's got a swagger about him. You you talk to Co- talk to Coach Lockett, and he's he he knows what's up. And uh, we'll we'll see some more guys out of South Florida for sure. But then you know, then you look at Kalani and his relationships. Coach Chad. I mean, there's so many. You know, Coach Brennan, obviously, you know, from the last staff. We know what he did, yeah. Um, So this staff, and talking with some of the staff at Oregon State right now, some of the support staff, you know, Coach Anderson really built this staff, not only to be great coaches and and mentors for these young men, but it was built for recruiting. 
and that was another whole area. So it's exciting if you're a Beaver fan for recruiting. When you, when you determine, like, because you talked about the last staff and there was a couple that stood out. When you determine, though, the really good recruiters for a staff, aside from, like, oh, he grabbed a three-star, maybe he, he got a four-star – do does your conversations with the recruits impact your your kind of your opinion on who the good recruits are based on like what the kids are saying too? Oh, does that factor in? Completely. You know, like when I'm talking to these these guys, you talk to them, and it's interesting because sometimes they'll say, you know, oh, who's recruiting you from Oregon State? I mean, I know who's recruiting him, but you know, they'll say, oh, I don't know, I don't, I don't know. He's like the, you know. He's the special teams coach. Yeah. The guy not making much of an impression. Yeah. So, and then, you know, then... Was that a shot fired, by the way? <laughs> no, no, no shot fired. <laughs> Previous no. staff is listening to the damn podcast. Um, no, but, you know, like, but you'd ask, you know, Coach Kavanaugh was always one, you know, that would get... Coach Banker, people mm-hmm. talked a lot about him. So, um, and then Coach Brennan. Coach uh, Hayward was part of the staff. Coach uh, Nigel Burton was one that always got mentioned. So yeah. uh, some of these guys, I think, are just better, not better in living rooms, I want to say, but better salesmen, better around people, better, you know, closers. There's better talking just to the kids. Talk, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but it definitely, you talk to these young men, you, know, mm-hmm. you talk to these recruits, and it's it's always telling when they can pop, you know, who's recruiting you from Oregon State or who's, rec- you know, oh, I have, you know, Coach Sataki. I talk to Coach Sataki all the time, and I talk to, you know, is there any? I mean, you don't. You obviously don't. I don't want you to name them. Have you? Have you gotten close to figuring out maybe if there's a week one on the staff, week two guys, or you know, is so it right far, now kind of pretty right good? Now it's been pretty good. I you know honestly, I don't hear a lot with Coach McGiven, mm-hmm. but that could be area. You know, his areas not maybe as in you know coach woods we do hear from him but he do you has, choose area by the way i've always wondered that no i think what they do, you know they kind of do it based on who has you know connections certain areas so you know coach woods the o-line coach he actually has oregon and washington but then a little pocket of southern california where he grew up mm-hmm. and has some has some connections coach brennan has southern california orange yep. county area um you know, Coach Lockett obviously has South Florida, Florida yeah. and he also has Georgia and some different areas that he's Kalani, in. Utah, clearly. Kalani has Utah. Kalani's kind of all Nevada. Over place. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, Coach Chad has Hawaii because he's he's from there. Because so we he, can't say his last name. How hot? Yeah, Chad, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Coach Chad. Chad K. Uh, Chad K. K. <laughs> I think I think it's been Kalani and Coach Chad doing Samoa. Okay. So, um, but it's really kind of, they they base that based on where your where their connections are. They go out, they make those relationships, gotcha. and then later on they'll bring position coaches in. Okay. Yes. I've always wondered that, yeah. determining uh, territory for people. If you, Oh, you're stuck in Ohio. Great. Or, hey, you get Miami. Yes. You know what I mean? Who gets to go to the Sunshine yeah. States? Yeah. Uh, you got another one? I do. Uh, M.K. Beaver also. M.K. Beaver on fire this Beaver week. Blitz, yes. He wants to know. He said he's heard both. He wants to know our thoughts, Brandon, if we feel there's adequate depth on the D-line. Uh, I think there's almost too much depth. Yeah. I mean, like, I, it's not a bad thing. It's a great thing to have. It's a good problem to have. Uh, but I think you're you're more than fine depth-wise, defensive line-wise. Um, as soon as they made Pecco eligible, that was just another super talent that they have. And again... Angie really likes the DBs. I think she really likes the defensive line. I love the defensive line. I would say I've been pretty impressed with with reading about the DBs and seeing them in person a couple times. I think the defensive line is going to be a huge bright spot to this team. And I'm trying not to invest too much just because they're playing Oregon State's offense, and I don't know how that's going to go. But I love what I see thus far from this group. Well, okay, so this is something, too, Beaver fans. 
so I've been taking notes. So everybody was so excited about the the combo of Kyle Pecco and Jalen Grimble. Rightfully so. Yeah. Both great players, great young men. I've been seeing Grimble hasn't been like running with the ones. It has actually been Titus Filauga running with the ones. So you think he's jumped Grimble? So, I mean, seriously, Beaver fans, I, I did this little research before I came in for, to the studio. You have Kyle Pecco, you have Kalani Vakamelalo, you have Sumner Houston, and you have Elu Aiden, and Noke Tago, if I didn't say him. Yeah. Those are, I mean, that's a solid group of D tackles right there. Yep. Elu's actually been mentioned as maybe not redshirting, so that'll be interesting to watch. But then you also have, for the for the DNs, you have Pritchard, Filauga, Lamone Williams, Barnett, Joshua James. There's just a lot. Of I talent. think some of those guys, too, are going to be hybrids. There are, They're yeah, getting definitely. that 3-4 defense that they James, run, yeah. It's kind of back. Um, Barnett. If anything, I'd like to, you know, I think recruiting-wise, they need to look for maybe another strong side D-end. And, yeah. And maybe another weak side DN, but I, I don't think it's anything. I'm not. I wouldn't be concerned with that. No, point. I'm not concerned at all. I think it's a. I think it's going to be a great thing for them to have. Do you have a question? Yeah, I do have a question from at Coach Morrow OSU. Okay, he's been asking us one every week. Thank you, Coach Morrow. He wants to know if there's any NFL talent on this team. And let me hmm. let's preface this first. This is a young team. Yeah. That's a tough question to answer. That is. But we can still give okay. an opinion. I got an opinion. Okay. I got an NFL talent for you. Isaac Samalo. Ding. I'll take that. <laughs> Let me give you a sleeper. Okay. Storm Bars Woods. Yeah. He was, um, what was he, sixth? Or top, I think he was top 10 running back prospects right now. No, he's 16th. 16th, okay. 16th running back prospect for the NFL draft. Seven rounds in the draft. You never know how many running backs are going to go per draft. So, I mean, that's a pretty good shot. If he can have a thousand yard season, he's at least going to get some scouts looking his if way. I'm a scout. I want to see him stay healthy all year. That's exactly that what I'm looking biggest, for. That is the biggest thing on him. Yeah, he gets an ankle rolled up again, or he deals with hammy, or anything unfortunate. I, I, that's a red flag to me. Grimble and Grimble and Pecco. I think you kind of have to watch. They'll have the opportunity because of their size, size. and their strength. That'll Maybe help. Maybe a Barnett. Barnett could be a sleeper. Yeah, he's he'll a be sleeper. at pro day. I mean, he'll get that oh, yeah, opportunity. Yeah. I mean, look at. I mean, Dylan Wynn is sticking with Cleveland right now so far, and, and they've been raving about him. So yeah, he was kind of a tweener there. That can't be too much of a surprise though with that guy's no, motor. I, yeah, he's a psycho. I mean, they've had him doing linebacker a little bit, D end. Yeah, he can do. They like him as fullback. So yeah, with his motor and what he's willing and able to do. But do uh, we want to give any freshmen? Do we want to go on a limb? Redshirt freshmen, sophomores even? Do we want to say, yeah, you know what? I think that kid could be one. Because I think I'd pick a wide receiver. I was, I was going to say, you're going to pick Paul Lucas? Pretty hard to not be optimistic on what he what he's capable of doing or what he could do. Yeah. Especially knowing you stole him from Arizona State. True. So I will... You know what? I'll say Paul Lucas just to say Paul Lucas. You're bold. I'm, I'm not ready to go out there. Why <laughs> <laughs> you got to leave me hanging like that? Come on. What okay, you well, let's see. Who... You know, I just I like, give me any name. I, I like Bright Aguebu. You think he's got NFL type potential? Potentially. Let's see what he does this year. He hasn't seen a lot. That's of the a field. tough part with freshmen and sophomores. I know, you I know can't project where because you don't want to do that to him. Like if if because you, you have a good following. So yeah. if you go on Beaver Blitz and you write an article, and you know thousands of people are reading it, you don't want to necessarily write he's playing just like. Uh, give me NFL linebacker. Uh, 
name an NFL linebacker, just pick yeah. one. And you don't want to write that comparison because we've seen it in multiple sports. Once you compare him to that guy, if that kid or that player doesn't play up to that expectation, it's like, oh, he's what a bust. He's not quite at that level. You know, and I have not, I mean, Isaac, I think is pretty much if he, you know, if he can say healthy is that's a no brainer, but really there has not been a no brainer in my mind since Brandon Cooks. Yeah. I mean, that kid you knew was Wheaton, special. Cooks. Wheaton was good, too. I mean, yeah, Wheaton but was Cooks there, But was Cooks was like... Uh, Cooks, you knew. And, and it was just his maturity and watching him, you know, as a true freshman, just glommed on to James Rogers, yep. picking up any piece of info he could pick up. Watching and, him run routes. Yeah, oh, no. Was, some of the... Like, practice can get boring. It can. But, like, watching a guy like... Some of the great receivers that they've had come through, the Strotters, the Rogers, the Cooks... Oh. Hell, even Wheaton, when you start watching those guys run routes, I mean, that's just something that can be a poetry in motion almost. Mm -hmm. The hard work, the dedication, every single route. Watching, you know, like James Dockery and James Rogers had that, to watch the DB in those. those The battles, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Black is back, 10 on Blitz. Hi, Travis. (laughs) Uh, Asks, nine out of the 12 Pac-12 teams scored 30 plus points per game. Last year. Okay. Oregon State was dead last at 25.7 Yes, they were. Does OSU have an offense that has the ability to put up that many points? And if not, does the D have the ability to allow less than 30 points a game? Last year's Beavers allowed 31.6 points per game. So I'm going to say this, Travis. Good question. You're also asking if they're going to have a lot of wins this year. Because if you're hoping that the offense, if it sucks and the defense stops, that you can at least outscore and win. Um, Does the offense have enough for 30 points a game? I personally don't think so. But again, this is preseason. I've heard some of the offensive players say they will. We'll see. I've heard a lot of talking before. We'll see how it goes. I think there's some really good defenses in this conference. Uh, They're in the north, so Washington's defense is down. Washington State's defense, to me, might be a little bit of a sleeper in terms of being a kind of mid-Pac-12 ranking in total defense. Uh, Oregon's defense is going to be pretty good. We know Stanford's defense is going to be lights out. And then you mix in some of your southern opponents, and I think it's going to be pretty tough just because the inexperience at your most important yeah, position yeah. of quarterback. So, no, I'll say the offense is not going to score 30 points per game, and they're going to be near the bottom. I, I That sounds pessimistic, and I, I'm, I'm trying not to sound pessimistic. I'm trying to just be realistic. I think it's going to be tough. They have great skill position players, so they figure out a way to get the ball out of those kids, uh, into those kids' hands and out of the quarterbacks in some of those games. Until I see that happen, I just I can't buy that that offense is going to score 30 points per game. Do you think so? I don't. Not given what they did last year. It's know? hard, isn't it, it's, to it see that? Hard. But last year's offense, I I felt really underperformed as well. So mm-hmm. that's a team that should have put up more points. What do you think defensively? Because he asks, can they hold them under the 30 points? I actually think they can. I think this this defense you're buying in i like this. i like the defense i am i'm very bullish on this uh, i love kalani the, sataki on this defense yes i i mean i would watch utah's defenses and i would sit there you know years ago and say okay that sataki guy knows what he's doing and they and they just play with such emotion and such fire um i think the defense is really going to surprise people now i still there was a question i don't remember who asked it on beaver blitz but it was asking you know, the old adage about if you have two quarterbacks, you have no, you quarterbacks. Have no quarterbacks. Yeah, we got that question. So, you know, wh- now, you know, Coach Anderson and Coach Baldwin are saying they're going to use two. I don't like that. I don't either. I don't like it at all. Um, I want to trust the coaching staff knows what they're doing. 
that saying is absolutely spot on. Mike Riley, when he said that, he, he wasn't lying. When you have two, you don't have well, one. You know, it's interesting. So, you know, you go back and you look at a little what Northwestern did with their two quarterbacks. And they were able to, you know, get a guy in a wildcat, you know, get get both quarterbacks on the field at the same time. They did some really innovative things. Maybe we see that. Do you want to see that? I mean... I know, but that's just it. So then you talk to... I've talked to several, you know, former receivers and different different people, you know, and you like having a continuity it's a stability factor you know how their releases you know their cadence you know and and that's something when you're constantly flipping tendencies if a play breaks down hey seth is our starter he's going to run he doesn't look to throw yeah uh marcus knows how to bide time and create and i know how to break off my route and go help him out if i need to there is that continuity factor and you know where the ball typically is going to be you know i mean how late is he outside of my my route if i break is it going to be there or am i going to have to and so that Step in a couple for the receivers, and that's one of your strengths. The offense isn't there if you're using. Well, them. and that is the one thing too that like I've never talked to a player, and I've talked to so many, whether it's Oregon State, uh, former Duck players, Washington. I've talked to a ton of them, and I've never. And when this topic gets brought up, because it gets brought up kind of often, yeah, yeah, not one of them has ever said, you know what, that's actually a really good idea. Now, if you want to flirt in the first game and say, hey, you know, we'll give Seth the first half, we'll give Marcus the second. And see what happens. Great. Do see that. they manage the game. But going into Michigan, thinking we're going to go into a football stadium that holds 111,000 screaming fans at Jim Harbaugh's first game coming back to Michigan, we're going to play both of them. I hate that idea. Yeah, I yeah. do. And it's... I like Gary Anderson. I like uh, Dave Baldwin. I'm excited for the future. But it concerns me that you don't stick and have the continuity. And then from a quarterback's perspective, I mean, I saw this with, you know, the whole Mannion Vaz thing going on is even if you say, okay, we're going to play both of you guys. You still don't know, okay, if I'm getting yanked, am I getting yanked because I just threw a pick? You're looking over your shoulder. Yeah, you're looking over your shoulder constantly. And I think that makes both of them, both those quarterbacks not as productive as they could be if they felt like they had some trust. The one thing that factored in, because I was really trying to think about this to kind of nail down my opinion on it, Mm -hmm. does it change anything for you that it's freshmen? Because for me, I don't think it does. I know they're freshmen and they're young, but you don't want that over-your-shoulder vibe. You want a kid to go in there and say, you know what, dude, you could throw four picks today. Unless we're getting blown out by 50, you're not coming out of the game. Yeah. So I think you need to instill that in a kid, especially in a freshman age where you're like, you might be the guy in two years, three yeah. years, and lead oh, us definitely. to the top 25. And so if you want to get to that position, I just don't know if playing two guys with sh- looking over their shoulders is the best route. Yeah, I agree. It's that's tough. So hopefully maybe they'll... You know, settle in after I just, a I, or two. I, and again, I wasn't at scrimmage, but I saw all those comments from, I went to Beaver Blitz. We played your guys' video over on uh, my radio show. And yeah, I saw the day ball went on Oregon Live. Like, I checked it all out. And I, I just don't like the whole, we're going to play both if we need to all season. We, we play better that way. How do you play better with two quarterbacks? What is Seth better on second down and Marcus is better on third down? I well, don't what's interesting follow is the tendencies that. that I see is Seth is looking to run. Marcus is looking to throw. Exactly. That's what I see. That's, I mean, that's the feel I got when I saw him play just a couple different times. And I've only been there a few few times. You've been down there way more than me and you have the same feel. So I I don't know which way I lean personally. I, I want the best player out there. And whether that's Seth or Marcus, whoever works better offensively, I wish they just decide and say, you know what? We're going to play this kid versus Michigan. Mm -hmm. Weber state. They're going to experiment. That happens all the time. Yeah. 
But Michigan, I'd like to see one guy. And we might by the time Michigan comes around. Hopefully. They they were kinda coy about it though. Oh yeah. They'll, they'll Maybe they just game. don't want to release information. Maybe. Kinda secretive. I don't know. We'll have to see. Keep, keep Harbaugh on his toes. Yeah, keep Harbaugh on his toes. <laughs> by the way, on defense, by, on that uh, Travis question, yeah, um, I don't think the defense is going to be able to. I kind of disagree with you on that one. Okay. I think they'll be really close to that line, though, of that number. There'll be a couple games that will be disappointing just because of youth. Mm-hmm. I was talking, and I can't name names, but I'll say this. A defensive coordinator on a arguably the most prominent team in this conference – regards Kalani Sitaki as maybe the best defensive mind in the conference. Nice. So I think when somebody like that in your own conference, your peers regard you that way, yeah. I think there's a really good reason to have some optimism. Yeah, yeah. And just, just the energy and enthusiasm that group plays with. He's fantastic. It's going to be fun. Any more questions? That's, that's what I've got. We have one more, and it's basketball-related. Okay. I feel like maybe we shouldn't answer this, but we're going to answer it. Oh, we are. From Peter Wong on Twitter. Okay, Peter Wong. He wants to know the status of Trace Tinkle because we found out that he had a, what, the broken fibula? Yes. Stress stress factor. Um, And so the timetable for him, I still don't know if I've seen a timetable yet. It's hard for me to buy that he's going to be ready for the non-conference preseason type games. He was in a a boot. He's in a boot. Two weeks ago. So... Do you, what do you think the status is on him? Do you think he plays when conference starts for Oregon State Hoops? Well, it depends kind of, I think, when when he actually sustained it and when he's been you know treated. Like I said, they've kept that kind of quiet. We're hoping to get Coach Tinkle on here in the next week or two. I'm trying to get him on for next week, and maybe we have some fun with college football, too. But uh, That's the goal. I haven't seen anything, and I don't want to go out there. I know this is a podcast, and it's for fun, but I, I honestly have no idea where he would be. I'm kind of the same way. I don't like to misreport or even guess on injuries. Um, first of all, because we get chewed out by people if we do that and we're wrong. And second of all, I just don't know if it's fair to the kid. I will say this. I'm optimistic that he can heal. He's still pretty young. and uh, fractures aren't, you know. Yeah, they're not the end of the world. So hopefully he can come back for a conference. I think it'd be fantastic for them. They're a sleeper from some people that uh, watch college basketball as a potential tournament team this year. So... It's hard to ignore what they have coming back mixed with what they have coming in. Yeah. And uh, I hope Trace Tinkle's out there when they start the college hoop season. Yeah, so much excitement. With it them. absolutely is. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Peter, and all the rest of the questions. We didn't get to them. I know we've, we keep having a question, Brandon, on Beaver Blitz. It's been asked a couple weeks, talking about non-conference scheduling. So, oh, again. Look at us. We got a, do we have a surprise question here? I guess. Kind of surprise. I, I wasn't even going <laughs> to answer it, but it's you know, talking about just you know what the – Coach Anderson's theory is on on scheduling, and I just haven't had a chance to to ask him that yet. Mm-hmm. So, um, whether we see the you know home and homes, or if we see the one one and done big money payout games, I personally I think we see maybe some of the you know I mean I think the Oklahoma State home and home is awesome. Was that twenty eighteen or nineteen? I don't remember. It's coming up. It's coming I mean, it's up. only a couple and years Minnesota, out. Minnesota, I believe, is a home and home. Um, the thing you know, and I, this goes back to my fundraising days when people would talk about this and I've heard several different ADs talk about it. And when you're talking with a school like Oregon state, there's really not an incentive for a school, say like Michigan who makes more in one home game than we could, Oregon state could ever pay them Mm -hmm. to come out. They will go to certain, you know, if it's a a big alumni base, you know, you can go to an LA and, and do a fundraising thing and get your alumni motivated. But for sure, Portland doesn't have a huge 
base of alumni for most of these p- big schools. Yeah. And then it doesn't make sense financially for them. They, they're they better off paying an Oregon State a million dollars to come play them at home and take the revenue from a home game and mm-hmm. concessions than they are, you know, trying to get a million from Oregon State. Yeah. They lose money in that deal. That's why the Wisconsin's of the world, um, hell, even a TCU on the road, TCU didn't come here, uh, Penn State, remember that game, unfortunately, a couple years back. It's tough. Uh, I don't know Anderson's personal philosophies. It's hard for me to imagine his is much different than any other coach in the same position of, I'm coaching at a smaller-ish school, but I'm in a Power 5 conference. I'll take money if I can get it. It'd be fantastic if you do a home and home with me. It's tough. Like, it, there's not a coach. It's not a coaching difference of, well, Riley doesn't want the home and home, and Anderson does. All the coaches want home oh, and they homes. Love home and homes. I mean, ask anybody. They loved. They hated getting their butts kicked at Wisconsin. They loved getting Wisconsin at home the next year and trying to redeem themselves, which they did. Uh, I don't know if Anderson's going to make the difference. I'd be willing to wager, though, if you asked him that question after practice, he would say, we want to play the best opponents we possibly exactly. can. Wow, that was like exact verbatim what I was thinking. I mean, that. right? I mean, no. he, he would what? say that. I mean, he's a competitive guy. And, you know, every I don't like to just single him out. Every coach that coaches major Division One college football is a competitive guy. Uh, but I just think it's the place. The place makes it tough to get the home and home. But, you know, Oklahoma State is a home and home. So we get the OSU black and orange battle. That'll be fun. And uh, you mentioned Minnesota. Oh, they're going to Ohio State in 2019, yeah. I want to say, yeah. or 2018, that's maybe. A, that's just a one and done. That's a one and done. Like, it's tough to get those programs, especially Ohio State, when they have 105,000 fans yeah, at the not horseshoe. Get them to come. They're not coming back. But, you know, now some interesting ties. I mean, so, you know, Bob DeCarlis now is back at Michigan doing some, some consulting stuff. Yeah, consulting stuff, yeah. Um, but Todd Sansbury now comes from UCF. Maybe Oregon State tries to get a home and home there with all the recruiting ties now in Florida. Um, you know, a former, I mean, well, Greg Burns down at Arizona, but you have Kentucky, Mitch Barnhart. I don't, that could be an interesting home and home with Kentucky, just an SEC school that's not great. Well, they're kind of on the uptick. I mean, Stoops has kind of turned it around a little bit. They've kind of been a six and six type program. You know, I could see, I mean, a, a UCF, but I think Beaver fans should be pretty excited about Ohio or Oklahoma State. That should be a really fun. Hopefully Gundy's still there because he's a man and he's 40. I'm a man! Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should add that audio into the podcast. I don't know. Um, what's the biggest... I'm trying to think of this, and I, I might feel stupid for not remembering. Biggest non-conference opponent? LSU was pretty big. Like to come into Corvallis, oh, I guess I should Corvallis. say. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Huh. Cincinnati was ranked, but it can't be Cincinnati. Wisconsin was ranked... Wisconsin. Yeah, you're going ranking-wise? I'm just, I'm just trying to go, like, school-wise, an Oklahoma-type thing. Because I know the school down south has had a couple of those, yeah, the Michigans, the Oklahomas. Hmm. That one's tough. A tough one. Maybe we get people on Twitter to yeah, answer Twitter that one. Help us out with that. Who's the, who's the best non-conference home game Oregon State has had? Like, the most impressive opponent? Because I'm having a hard time thinking, and this is just me having a terrible memory past, like, eight years I'm having a hard time thinking outside of Wisconsin. Outside the conference. And even, yeah, yeah. that's a tough one to answer, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, I think home and homes, it, they're tough to get for Oregon State. So I think Gary Anderson's going to take whatever the best payday is or whatever decent-sized school is willing to do a home. Oklahoma State's a gr- great home and home. That's a consistent top 20 team in the country saying, yeah, you know what, we'll come to Corvallis. You come to uh, you come play us in, in Oklahoma. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Before we go, 
Did you see Sark After Dark? I did. What were your thoughts? My thoughts, I mean, we've we've seen coaches. I mean, I, if it was just boosters that he was around, I, I say whatever. This is a regular deal, right? I'd say whatever, you know. But since there were players and players' parents, and there's there's a difference, I think, too, between having a couple beers and maybe dropping a bad word here and there. and Sometimes an slurring. F-bomb can get you yeah, fired up. And then slurring words and... Um, I remember a recruiting dinner several years ago that uh, Matt Moore was, he wasn't emceeing, but he came around, he was, they gave him the mic. Mm-hmm. He'd had a few beers and he was hilarious. Oh, really? Oh, he, he was, was probably on, on that line fire. of tipsy, huh? Yeah, he was, but he wasn't obnoxious, Yeah, but he was, he had the entire, you know, thousand person room in stitches. I mean, there might've been an inappropriate word dropped, but it was all in fun. It was all... There's that line, though. Mm-hmm. There's that line of, we're having fun. Yeah, you might have had a beer too many. And then there's the slurring words and, yeah. Especially yeah. when there's players around. I mean, this is a, a guy that's supposed to be in charge of helping cre- you know, helping young men grow. Some of those parent, those players' parents were in attendance, yeah. too. Recruits' parents were there. The recruits' parents were asked, "Are you gonna? what does this mean? Oh, you know, it's disappointing, but we're not going to decommit because you, know, you don't want to go that far. Um, it sounded like he was just on stage too long. Like yeah. if he would have gone in and out of like, hell yeah, we're going to win. <laughs> or, you know, Oregon sucks. Notre Dame sucks. And then you kind of just go fight on, go Trojans. Yeah. And you get off the stage then, real yeah, quick. Yeah, fires everybody up. Yeah, Everybody's make it a laughing, quick. Yeah, like, yeah, and they're like, "Oh, Sark's probably drunk. This is yeah. great." Like, but it does sound like he was on the stage a little too long. Yeah. I kind of had the opinion of I've heard too many stories of coaches, and just for an example, we had Ted Miller on a Pac-12 uh, ESPN blog, uh, Pac-12 blog on our show, and talking to him, he had mentioned that when he first started, he used to see Bama reporters all the time, and the stories of Bear Bryant. At these little, like, big rah-rah things, blackout drunk. (laughs) And so I know times are different. Social media is around. But, again, I I agree. Time and place, you shouldn't do it. It's sloppy. It can be annoying. And there's no excuse for that. But then on the flip side, though, social media and things has made... I mean, everybody's looking to bust somebody on something. Everybody wants to get everybody fired. And that's the disappointing part of a social media is... It's almost saying this... A person can't live their life anymore. And some we people like mistakes. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some people think Sark has like a drinking problem. Like this is a legit thing. Cause you know, the U-Dub stuff has come out yeah. now and maybe he does. And maybe if he does, does, that's, that sucks. I mean, yeah. I hope he gets that corrected, but it's also like, we're adults. Like we drink adult soda beverages. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like sometimes you have those nights where hey, I'm, I'm going to have like four or five beers tonight. And so it's social media can almost ruin life in that sense of, yeah, it was a good time. Now, did he go He go too far? He absolutely did. He pissed off his AD. Uh, boosters were leaking to TMZ.com that they wanted him fired. It's inexcusable, and maybe he should be fined, but I didn't think it was like people were making this like it was the biggest deal in the world. I'm like, how many coaches have we heard about? I mean, I've heard things about current coaches right now of top 25 programs showing up with high school coaches to mentor them and they show up just blackout drunk and it's like is there a huge difference there i mean those are leaders of young men too and this guy's supposed to be the example to them and he's showing up blackout drunk i think the difference is with kids but yeah everybody wants to make make something but then okay i have one 
talking current events. Okay. How about what happened out at Oregon? Oh, and man. Curtis, Pac-12 Network, Curtis Conway, I guess. The, what I heard is he's, like, walking up the hill to the Pac-12 production trailer, and from the top, you can kind of see a little bit of Oregon's practice. Okay, it's Curtis Conway, Pac-12 Net. Yeah. A spy from... And uh, a, a security officer came and called the police. Two police officers showed up. Yeah. Or two police cars, I guess. I mean, seriously. Yeah. It's Pac-12 Net. Now, here's the thing, and... A lot of people might hit the podcast off or never like me again. I'm going to kind of try to defend this. You're in that situation. You're that team. And you make it a really well-known fact that you don't want a soul to see your practice other than a former newspaper guy who pretty much turned and wanted to get all the access he could, so he decided to work for the university. But you don't want anybody else to see it. Are you changing that policy for somebody that works at the Pac-12 Network? Is that where the line is for you? The Pac-12 Network is kind of your conferences. I mean, it is They're your hub, yeah. Talking head. I know. But are you, if you have those rules in line, like Angie goes to practice, Beaver Blitz is going to go to or- Oregon practice today, and we're going to get the inside scoop what's going on down there. And they're like blocking you. They're making sure you can't even see the field. Is it different for Curtis Conway? Should it be different for Curtis Conway? Well, or are see, they being consistent? And I can see the media being, you know, the, the rival media being upset with, you know, well, how come he's getting to see access? But to call well, the police. Well, I think they feel that way about the guy who works for the university yes. already down yes. there. But then do you call the police? I mean, yeah, police a, there, might be a bit there far. Was, there was an example. Oregon State was closed practice until the last 20 minutes, and I got to Corvallis early. So I was talking to a couple people, and I ended up walking down the the ramp Mm -hmm. and stood there and watched an hour and a half of practice. Now, my phone, my my video camera, my camera, everything was, I was just standing there watching. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to tweet and try to, you know, post messages on Beaver Blitz talking about what was going on. Yeah. But... Thank God they didn't call the cops on me. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been kind of funny. That would have been great for the podcast. So Angie's mugshot. Angie's not here. She's been arrested by Corvallis police. She's still being detained right now in Benton County Prison. <laughs> Brandon, send money. <laughs> Give me some bail money. I need bail money. Uh, no, it's interesting just how far college goes. Yes, it's, it is. I tell you, it's it's ridiculous. It's getting ridiculous, and I think at some point the whole athletic departments, college basketball, college football, there's going to be a crossroads, and we're going to hit it, and it's going to deal with money. Athletes are employees or they're not employees. Uh, too far with what players you allow on your programs and what their backgrounds are. We saw that with Chris Peterson when he was at Boise State. Now he's in Washington with um, the Baylor kid. It's just, it's interesting where we're at, where it feels like it's very interesting. you're asking like philosophical questions yeah. almost. No. What's the line, What's man? The line? Is then, it winning have, or is it taking a bad egg? What's, what's interesting too is you have now, you know, schools that want to control the access because they see that as revenue. Yeah. So, I mean, as a fan, do you really want to get all your news from just what the university is that's that's you. what I get concerned about. Um, because then you're only seeing one side. And I'm, I'm friends with somebody that works for another. Uh, it's a prof- it's the only professional team in Portland, and well, you know, basketball. I guess for the Blazers. I, should, <laughs> you know, I don't know why I'm covering up the team. So I got a buddy who works for the Blazers, and uh, he's a great guy. We have him on on the show all the time. 
he's a team reporter mm-hmm. and it's he's great he gives you great access but there's only like a line of opinion he can give you you know what i mean because yeah. the blazers are his employer yeah because and he goes off and says exactly these are stupid moves yeah. they're trading everybody like, this is dumb i don't get it that's his can't job. do that so there's a point where i think these like these team reporters are good there's also a line of we were told this player couldn't talk, but the team reporter got him. Yeah, that's kind of odd. Like it's, it, I don't know. It's it, maybe this is just a media feeling, and fans don't care about this. But it's weird. It really is kind of weird. I'm, I'm wondering, like for myself, when does Oregon State get this? Yeah, because it's gonna happen. What's going to happen? There might be a beat person now that does it. Maybe, maybe the person I'm doing a podcast with turns on me. <laughs> And becomes the Oregon State reporter. I don't know. But at some point, Oregon State's going to be the next college of, we're going to get a team reporter, and they're going to have all the access, and people trying to get the stuff out there, the real honest, open-ended stuff, they're going to have very limited access. So you're going to get the fluff pieces. Hey, let me tell you why. Uh, This kid is the greatest kid in the world. Great. Instead of uh, we break down the numbers defensively yeah. and show you Oregon State's really lagging behind the rest of the conference. You won't get that. Yeah. And so I, that's a concern to me as a consumer of I want honesty. Mm-hmm. Honesty is something I value more than I don't need fluff pieces. If I wanted that, I'd watch the Disney Channel with my daughter all day. Like I want honesty you in reporting. Like lifetime. lifetime can be okay. <laughs> But I, I wonder, I do wonder when Oregon State's going to get a team reporter. It's inevitable. Oh, they already use some interns and, you know, they do some interviews. When do they hire somebody? Like, yeah, when do they no, get a former newspaper writer or <laughs> something? Yeah, see? Yeah. I feel like you know something. No, I don't. Honestly, yeah. I don't know anything. Yeah. I know how you are. <laughs> I can see this. I know nothing. Beaverblitz.com is going to be for sale. She's just going to abandon us all, guys. She's going to abandon us all. Never. <laughs> never, never, never. No, she wouldn't do that. Uh, anything else? No, I think we're good. I think we're good. This has been away. a fun podcast. We are seven days away from college football. The kickoff, Utah, Michigan, uh, representing the conference Thursday. Um, we're going to be back next week again. We're going to have prediction heavy. Final breakdown going into Weber State on Friday. Me and Angie will be at that game. It's going to be so exciting. Thank God football's back. Thank God. Okay. Yes. We'll hit you guys up for uh, damn questions for next week's podcast. Uh, And Brandon, there were no wees. You are. I still, I'm only at two or three stouts. Yeah, I think we're at three, but you know, hey, I'm not counting. You just dropped a wee, so I'm going to take one off the no, board, right? Wee. Yeah, yeah, we, you dropped you Yeah, you dropped a wee. You dropped a wee. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, we'll hit you guys up for, for damn questions for next week. Send them in, beaverblitz.com or at Brandon Sperger, at Angie Machado1. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Hopefully, we're on iTunes soon. We'll see.